five, four, three, two, one. <laughs> I'm John Miglosh for the Wisconsin DMA and the International Society for Strategic Marketing. And we'll carry on. News is a little light this week, I'd have to say. I think most of the publications that I look to are coasting through the holiday season. But that doesn't slow me down all that much. Let's get over to the fun. Okay, first we're going to start with uh, Very Company, UK. I don't even know what Very is, but uh, here's a family celebrating Christmas early. Yes, the best excuse is Christmas. It's the excuse of the year. Well, Everybody's all set for Christmas, and the other people are saying trick or treat, which is, of course, October. And they give them a holiday treat. These kids are doing all their chores, they have their Christmas list ready. And this one is a little butler giving his mom refills. Start Christmas early with tea or something. So that was fun. <laughs> that was fun. I thought it was fun. Anyway, and the message must have gotten across because the holiday season was glittery this year. Jewelry, electronics, apparel, sparkle this season by Sarah Mahoney. And uh, it turns out that MasterCard, which monitors its, you know, year to year over year, reported 8.5% growth. Uh, Growth in spending in the last two months of the year, which would be November, December, jewelry, apparel, and electronics sold especially well. And one of the things they, you know, while digital sales, online sales was mm, 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 a little bit flat um, by a couple of numbers, e-commerce was 20.9%, but last, yeah, and last year was 20.6%. Uh, and they point out a, a lot more than the 14.6 slice in 2019. You know, so what? <laughs> it's still only 20%. <laughs> you know, everybody focuses on e-commerce, and it's like, pfft, you know, and the Black Friday spending was actually below what it had been uh, the year before, and that might be because all the stores were closed, you know. But, you know, if that's what it takes to keep the momentum going in e-commerce, well, then it's it's toast. But, um, you know, you might have had an experience like my wife, who's still fighting with FedEx, trying to find the final uh, the final gifts that she ordered online uh, and uh, from Target, it turns out. And just a real disaster because. Um, OK, a real disaster because. Uh, stuff doesn't turn up. Don't know where it went. So if you were concerned about the supply chain issues, the best bet was to go look for it in the store or to go online and see, check and see if the store had it and do curbside delivery or something like that. So there's a reliability about retail that, you know, they either have it or they don't. And my wife says, I hate e-commerce. I'm never ordering on e-commerce again, <coughs> which is quite a flip from, you know, all of the super optimistic stuff. But anyway, so retail sales, the whole period went up 8.6% between October 11th and December 24th, which basically says that the uh, early spending from commercials like Very, um, encouraging people to get out there early and before everything's gone, uh, seemed to have hit home. And so customers splurged and maybe bought nicer stuff 
and with less trips to the to the uh, Walmart. Anyway, here's an article by Kenny Tapura. <clears throat> it, mm, I give it about a three. Um, he talks about traditional marketing, which if you if you follow the link here, is TV, radio, direct mail, print, and phone, and some other things outdoor. Um, he says that now there's some real reason to get away from the from the digital commerce. People are sick of it. Um, snail mail is alive and well. Uh, and, you know, there's some truth to the, that moniker that snail mail is slow. It is. Even my best friend, uh, Ron Davis, says that, you know, testing is great. You get really hard data, good solid data, but it takes so long to test. Well, that's true. But if you're in a regular mailing cycle, then it doesn't. Then you're always testing something and the results are coming in. Um, so if you're looking for a lesser chance of being tagged as spam, it's worth considering snail mail. I think, you know, he did hit that nail a few times, the snail nail a few times. I would have liked it if he maybe set it aside after a bit. But anyway, how is it still effective? And then he quotes the industry statistics. Um and uh, it's the digital marketing communication methods are sometimes impersonalized and cold. You can do more creative stuff, handwritten cards, uh, response mailings, this sort of thing. It's sort of a laundry list of things um, that help make direct mail effective, but it's not specific enough to really give you any guidance. So uh, if you if you subscribe to WDMA.org, uh, and you get over there and you can read the show notes. If you see something that triggers your imagination and you want more details, just give me a call and we'll talk about how it might apply to your business, which it may or may not. <clears throat> As you're coming into the new year, you're probably thinking about growth and expansion, and you think maybe I need a couple more people to get that done. It's a very, very interesting article about how to hire marketing people and uh the idea is is that you gotta or you gotta hire the people that are batteries included marketers it's funny because when i when i when i um interviewed for the job of direct marketing consultant <clears throat> first of all i didn't know what direct marketing was and second of all i'd never heard of a marketing consultant in fact Went to the Bahamas a few years later and uh, went through customs and they pulled me into another room and started frisking me and asking me lots of questions. And I said, why? And after we cleared everything up, I said, well, why did you pull me aside? They said, well, when we asked you your occupation, you said marketing consultant and you started to laugh. They said nobody laughs when they when you ask him what kind of job they have. Well, you know, I didn't have a lot of experience. Let's just say I didn't have a lot of experience or basically any. Um, but I told Vic Hunter that I was a problem solver. And, you know, he said, like, what do you mean? And I said, well, you know, if I hit something, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to figure it out if it's the last thing I do. And uh, he liked that. And he said, you know, I've hired a lot of people in my day. But he said, I... I haven't ever figured out how to make somebody into a problem solver. 
You know, they're just, they are or they aren't. And that may not be true. There may be ways to make people into that. But I've, I'd have to agree with him. And uh, so when computers came out, you know, when, when the IBM PC launched, we bought one. And it, the, the guy at 47th Street Photo said, would you like some extra memory with it? And I said, okay. And it was like five grand for a PC. So it, prices have come down a lot. And, uh, and it came with a little plastic bag of, of memory chips and I had to open it up and I was just sweating bullets because you know it's like the first thing you do when you buy a car is like change the engine right no you don't so anyway it was those were the pioneer days I don't think it even had a hard drive we just put floppy disks in it and they were actually floppy in those days so uh, also marketers have very little training in the task of team building and uh, that's probably true we all value our own opinion quite highly that's one of the downsides of marketing um, and uh, most of the conversations about team building are about skills you need this skill or you need that skill and you know I mean I was listening to the coach of the Green Bay Packers this week for some reason I don't really follow him that close but I thought Matt uh, Lafleur, I think his name is but I um, but he said you know the problem we have sometimes on the defense they were asking about big plays that were given up by the defense and he said Sometimes what's what's happened is uh, we've, we've had some people trying to really make a big play and rather than fulfilling their assignment, so they, you know, they go for the interception or something. And uh, he says sometimes that works out well, but sometimes it works out really badly. And we have to really get the, the, the 11 guys working together is going to be more effective ultimately than a couple of guys making big plays and um, there's a balance there somewhere you need some of both but I thought it was really interesting because you know because in general the Packers are the best team in the NFL this year uh, by record um, and uh, you know that's that's been my experience with marketing people too I mean there there are there's a need for alternate opinions and um, this is really a worthwhile article. It makes you think. Um, the other problem is, is that, uh, you know, there's always new buzzwords. And so uh, <laughs> when we talk about skill requirements in 2022, uh, the conversation is about a person who has multiple digital technical skills, who understands marketing at a deeper level. We want to find the one unicorn can create viral TikTok videos, use Adobe Analytics, knows CPAs, are going, uh, CPAs are going up and can write the SEO letter for an Amazon PDP and is a, and, and is a team player. <laughs> he said, if you find somebody like that, please send them my way. Well, the point is that there isn't. The skill shortage is not going to waste, going away, so here's what to do. Even more technology-driven, even more uh, technology measurement, uh, more people on the internet accessing it through mobile screens. In other words, marketing will be like some aspects of the universe ever expanding. And so the technical requirements keep increasing. But, you know, I find consistently that when I talk to clients, they have no idea what's really going on. It's like the person with, you know, seven bathroom scales or f five wristwatches or something. 
the anachronistic multiple clocks, you know, now we all have our clocks tied to the internet. So we all have the same the clocks read the same, which is kind of nice. I mean, it is handy. But but in the old days, just 10 years ago or so, we had <laughs> we had clocks that were all different and you had to decide what the what the time was or you know you can have multiple bathroom scales and they all will read a little differently and decide whether you're gaining or losing weight and the more measurement you have the less you know in a certain sense the less certainty you have so uh some of that fundamental epistemology still applies and uh so i really like this look for a batteries included person who can also work things out uh and the article concludes with a really good list of um of things to keep an eye out for. And let's get down to that here. Hard on the work. This is from Paul Durbin, a CMO uh, and author of a great marketing book called Running with the Foxes. And he's created six behaviors for his team. Hard on work, easy on each other. We demand high quality work. We can't relax this criteria, but we're nice to each other. Work ethic. We work hard. We won't be successful without that. And I think there's something to it. I mean, I remember keying in by hand the results of like dozens and dozens of mailing lists on a test. And you think to yourself, we could get some secretary or something to cl cl click these in, some executive assistant. But, you know, something happens when you put all those in. Your mind is processing in the background and insights come while you're doing this boring, just grindy work. And... uh and some good ones do. And so there's something about hands-on work ethic and hard work and getting it done. Uh, critical thinking. We ask questions. The questions, we question the assumptions we believe to be true. And boy, would I like to see that more of that in marketing. Because, you know, there's just so many uh, proverbs and accepted buzzwords and things that are that get dispelled after 10 years. But if you were to li listen to somebody who knew better, <laughs> you might. And questioned your own assumptions. You know, I give Patrick um, over at LoveSack a lot of credit because he he let us test some things that he didn't really know much about. And in the end, he was very, very fair about about his opinions and Patrick Santangelo. And um, and I, I really respected him. He, he, he was, you know, one of the top marketing guys, you know, really, really careful thinker who questioned his own assumptions so we look for evidence but we have a healthy level of skepticism but not cynicism humility this is one you know i wrote a an article long ago called integrity as a marketing as a modeling variable and that was about not to, not kidding yourself when you when the variable you loved so much didn't work out and some other goofball variable did you know set it aside and think well why what, what's going on here? And some of the biggest breakthroughs have been when we were proven wrong in a little area in the model and it opened insights into a whole new industry, a whole new business for our clients. Uh, we don't know what's right. And this is a really profound statement. We don't know what's right. Why not? Why doesn't marketing have a right answer? You know, accounting, it, uh, you know, the balance sheet has to, has to the debits, you have to equal the credits. But in marketing, we're looking at the future. And the future is uncertain. And as we know from the past few years, you can't just extrapolate from the past. And so in that kind of environment, 
you need to have a healthy skepticism about your own certainty because you have no certainty no matter what you can you can be absolutely certain of what worked yesterday but that does not guarantee that it'll work tomorrow and so always always question your own uh your own prideful certainty we should care less about who is right ego gets in the way this is not about individual success it must start with the team strong opinions weakly held we can change our mind if the evidence suggests we're wrong this is not just okay but demanded of everybody and that's what's so powerful about direct marketing i'm not i'm not advocating that you do your whole marketing in mail but one thing mail does give you is it gives you hard data and it gives you, it's more of a foundational kind of data than it is, you know, the latest nuance this week or next week or what consumers are so suddenly thinking. Consumers are pretty much <laughs> pretty constant. They don't like their shipments getting lost in a snowbank, right? They just don't. They don't like, you know, they don't like surprises in the, in the, uh, in the shopping cart, you know, when all of a sudden it's 20% more than they had expected because the shipping is, you know, rightly a lot or something like that. But, you know, figure that in a little bit or something. Share early and often. We share our work, our views, our results with everybody interested. We don't sign our results ever or spin our results ever. This is the integrity thing. We don't spin our results. But we, this can be difficult, but the alternative is damaging. Yeah, if you kid yourself in modeling, you're dead. That's all there is to it. And sometimes, as I said, sometimes what looks like a mistake is a whole new business model emerging from the, from the data, which is also an argument for using tools that actually give you insight, not just maximize a particular campaign or a particular ad. Anyway, Merry Christmas. This is a really good article, and I highly recommend uh, Forget Skills. Look for the batteries included instead. I highly recommend you get over to WDMA.org and you subscribe and give this thing a careful read and you can also read the snail mail one which i don't think is highly up but you know it's you know it's a good general overview good start have a great day merry christmas and happy new year and uh, we're going to be doing a couple of more relaxed shows in the next few minutes uh, and for the next few days have a great day bye